I'm Vince. And I'm Travis. And we're about to ruin your games and stuff. This is Travis! Welcome to Undesign. What's up, Travis? You know, RPG stuff. RPG stuff is, in fact, the stuff that is up. So uh, you rolled a thing today, my friend. Totally did. That's what I do. I roll things. Um, you do roll things. You know, carpenter style. So best campaign world. That was the role. That was the thing. Number that five. Is, that is the thing. It was number five. Oh, you're, you're giving our, our listeners an insight behind the curtain. Yes. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I mean, it's just going to change anyways, because whenever we rip stuff out of the list, it <laughs> changes all the numbers. So the numbers don't really matter. All welcome to uh, welcome to Undesign, where the numbers are made up and none of this matters. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No, I mean this is like DM in a game. You know, it, you you know, you say it's five, but it doesn't really matter that it's five or not. You're just saying something to appease the players. Right. Exactly. All right. So so let's talk about that. We, we, when when we rolled best campaign world you've ever played in. Obviously, what we want to talk about is what not only what is it, but why it was the best. Right. And. I, I also threw in the extra the extra wrench to talk about the distinction between a the best homebrew world and the best published world, right? Because I think there is a big difference there. That's a thing. All right. So would you like to go first, Travis, with either of those, or would you like me to go first? Uh sure, I'll go first. And I like I'll give my easy answer, which is the pub my my favorite my, or, or my or the best campaign world in my opinion. As okay. far as the published um, ones, and I think my answer would have to be rifts. Um, you know the uh, the the magical rifts and everything thing. Yep. Um, mostly, I I enjoyed playing games in 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 rifts and reading all of the rifts books because of the it had it had this it has this feeling of infinite variety and infinite scope. Um, in, in spite of not actually having that, like it's not, it's, it doesn't actually have infinite variety or infinite scope, but it certainly feels that way in the way it presents itself. Um, and I, I found a lot of, uh, I don't know, a lot of, a lot of depth in, in tiny details. Like, like it, it would just go really, really deep dive on little tiny details of the Rift's universe. Um, and they would do it again and again and again and again. Like they would say something about, you know, some tiny little corporation in the middle of India. And then they would tell you all about um, uh, ancient England and how it interacts with the world now. You know, like they would just, they were like all over the place and, you know, different dimensions and aliens and monsters. And, you know, I, I know we talked about generic campaign settings before, but the Palladium system has, has uh, run the gamut. And all of that stuff was also compatible with Rift, so you could draw from any of their other campaign source books, and it would still be like legit Rift stuff. Yep. Um, I don't know. It just had it. It had its hands in everything, and while like there were some stinkers in there, there's not some stuff that wasn't that interesting. But on on the whole, most of it was you know really well, really well put together. You know, in spite of you know being on, you know stuck on top of a garbage system, the campaign world was great. You know, it's interesting. I, I agree with a lot of the points you made, and, and certainly I don't know if it would be my pick, but it's it's definitely up there. Uh, I want to plumb a little deeper on a couple of the things you said. Like, yes, it does give this feeling of infinite variety. Now, it's a really rules-crunchy system, and obviously in a rules-crunchy system, you can never have true infinity because when you have to have hard rules defining everything, right, there's there's only so much rules you can write in the book. Yep. Um, but 
that being said, it does give you that feeling of all these possibilities because of the sort of generic system version of it that yeah. I can reach out to. You know, I could play a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle or bring in a Robotech, uh, you know, um, yep, robot, whatever. Um, and at the Gundam same stuff, time, whatever, yeah, yeah, Ninja, exactly. Ninja Turtles. I mean, it's it went everywhere. The, the the thing that was very like supremely interesting to me about the the Rifts campaign setting was that whenever you opened any any Rift's book, every single page gave you something you could be or something you could encounter. Every single page. Like, every page. Yep. And, it was and, just all, all meat. Everything was meat. So let me ask you a question. How much do you think... The, the way that they designed a lot of the, like, Rift's world books, if we talk about Rift's proper, right? Yeah. For those who are maybe only passingly familiar with Rift's, it it basically you have like rifts the new west and rifts uh warlords of russia and rifts south america and stuff like that right so it takes a slice a slice of the world yeah they grab a bucket of whatever and and talk about that yes and to me the best rifts books they're not all locations some of them were like points in time or a particular thing like for example the juicer uprising or the coalition navy or something right vampires yeah yeah vampires exactly so, but to me, the best books were the ones that resonated where you had a mix of like the existing, what do I want to call it? Like lore or, um, uh, here's our history of the world and here's how it interacts in a fantastical way. Like yeah. That. Yeah, exactly. So like, let's take, let, I'll, I'll give a very concrete example. Take Rifts Japan, right? I happen to like the movie The Last Samurai. Maybe other people don't like it, but yeah, I think it's a good movie. I love it. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Tom Cruise, but I love that movie. Right. And so The Last Samurai touches on this thing that's often been a theme in various sort of Japanese fiction, which is the struggle between the modern and the ancient, right? Between tradition and progression, stuff like that, right? That's a big part of Japanese culture is the tension between those two forces. Mm. Yeah. And Rift Japan wrote that tension large, right? Because you had the classically trained mystical ninjas that lived in these hidden sequestered, uh, you know, temples in, in monster infested mountains. But then you also had like the cyber ninja who was mm -hmm. just somebody who had shortcutted his way to being a ninja by chopping off parts of his own body and replacing yep. them with upgraded metal components. Right. But they were both ninjas. And both of them simultaneously interacted and had a place in the world. So that yeah. tension was there, played they, out. It still had like a kind of a strange feudal feeling while still also having stuff like the Yakuza, you know? So. Right. It, it, like these ancient feudal monarchies and ultra-modern, you know, bubblegum crisis yeah. cities, right? Um. So it, it, I think there are two things under that. One it often combines disparate elements in, in sort of interesting ways, right? And two, it heeds the underlying expectations of the, the, of the sort of thing, of the culture or of the mythos or whatever, and presents those to you in a new light. But you can bring your expectations to the table, and they won't be wrong. You have, they use your expectations to their benefit. Does that make sense? It does to me. Yeah. So I think that that's, there's an interesting lesson there because 
you know, one of the classic things that obviously uh, we've mentioned before on the show, I'm a big fan of Warhammer. And one of the reasons a lot of people loved the old world in Warhammer was because it did the same thing, right? It took these different cultural elements around the world and sort of deployed them in new ways, but you could bring your expectations and you would be correct. So I think it's interesting that's your answer. Um, well, you know, I, I, I probably wouldn't, you know, I probably wouldn't agree completely with that. I think all that's good. It's, it wouldn't be why I found it as compelling as I did, though. For, for me, I found it compelling because it allowed me to scratch any itch I had. Right. So if I wanted to play something like a mix of G.I. Joe and Transformers versus a He-Man world, I could do that by playing Rifts. I could just, you know, be like, okay, all that stuff exists in Rifts, so how do I make that interact? Let's go, you know? Right, right, right. So yep. I could scratch any itch. That was, that, was, that was what it did for me. So that's fair. And, you know, I just want to drill down on the point and really give a proof on the other thing you said of like every page is something you can play yeah. or something you can encounter and the detail level of like world building that they do. Um, so do you have a great love of Rifts Canada? No, not particularly, but I think it's neat. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it's good. I think it's cool. I think it's more or less a like who cares book as well, right? It's a lot of like people and Arctic soldiers and Wendigos and stuff like that. It's fine is the answer, right? It's not bad. It's just fine. It never grabbed me. It wasn't one of the books I was highly interested in. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's a good sure. book. Sure. It's fine. Exactly. I recently ran a campaign that spent some time in Rifts Canada. Okay. And so I was looking through the expensive time in Canada and I was looking through the campaign book. I was looking through Rifts Canada and I was looking for uh, a couple towns that they, that the PCs could, you know, roam across depending on where they were. Like what's in this area. We give me, I wanted to look at some towns and they have this small town that is sort of like a, it relies on like a mill uh, for its survival and it's guarded by this is so insane it it's guarded by this guy who is an ex like um rogue scholar or something right and he's part of an adventuring group that contains like a crazy and these other things and they're the sort of guardians of the town and the guy himself is wealthy enough from his days as an adventurer that he moved to this town, he ended up settling there, becoming its protector, built his own private movie studio and movie theater, and records, <laughs> makes his own movies on his massive studio lot, using all the people in the town as actors and extras, and runs them on this massive theater that can hold, like, hundreds of people, even though the town has a population of, like, 300, and it can hold, like, seven, it's like a 700-person theater. So... And he runs his movies that he makes using the town for the town. I mean, that's pretty fantastic, right? Like, you would not see that anywhere else. Who, who thinks of this? This is amazing. It's exactly. Great. It's so unbelievably rich. And this is just, this was one page yeah. of one irrelevant town. This isn't like a town where the coalition yeah, you opened bosses. That book and you, were like, you were like, all right, I'm going to find like some wilderness town that's some, something interesting happening. No, here's this. Exactly. I was like, and I used that town and the PCs loved it. They loved this guy. It was just, it was amazing. And, and yeah, it's, 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 it uh, exudes riftsiness though. That's, that's why it's, that's why it's so great. Yes. So I get it is what I'm saying. And like, I, I totally understand your, your pick on that, uh, on that choice. So, okay. I, I, I agree. I love riffs to death. I think it's fantastic. Um, so, so what's your favorite published? Okay, so my favorite published to pivot, it's ironic because 
I'm going to pick the fantasy version of the same thing. Okay. And for me, that's Planescape. I, um, yeah, yeah. Yep. It's Planescape is basically just fantasy riffs, right? Like, let's be honest. It pretty much, yeah. It's all, it's this crazy series of weird infinite planes and all these tiny towns. A lot of the books are the same, where like you open it up. And you have these weird towns and weird NPCs, and they're all very idiosyncratic and, and unique, right? Um, and, and like, the characters that are there are so flavorful. That's what I love about that world. Like, the NPCs and the factions that they introduced, all the different power players that are around. Again, much Rifts has a lot of this going on, too. But um, there's so many different— um, Yeah, there's just certainly a different tone. It's a different tone yes. of that. So Absolutely. Um, but all those things, the the wonder of exploration of all the different planes and the way they act and the way they interact with magic, the the insane sort of mind-bending nature of it. And of course, the fact that the factions are built on philosophies and obviously the fact that I was a you know philosophy major in school and it, it always appealed to me. I love the I love the translation of these philosophical concepts into real world practices. You know, you have like the fatalists. Uh, in in the um, uh, uh, in the in the Deadman and and so on and so forth, the Chaosetics who are just obsessed with sort of chaos theory and the fact that nothing is predictable and and all this, I I it's so compelling to me for those same reasons, right? And and honestly, there's a lot of mirror to what you just said, so I won't I won't yeah. belabor it. Well, th but there's a lot of freedom in Planescape. Like there's a, a freedom for imagination and creativity. Yes. And, and the thing is, one of the points you made of like, I can tell the story I want to tell within this broader backdrop, right? I can pick yeah. the sort of elements. That's the same. Because if I want a gritty city adventure, I can sort of set this noir gritty city adventure on the mean streets of Sigil, right? Where where the PCs really never leave one section of Sigil. They're all in the low ward and they're dealing with like demon informants. It would feel very like Angel. The, the television show Angel, right, where you've got like demon informants and and you know that kind of thing going on, uh, very noir feeling. But at the same time, I could also do like an around the world in eighty days, height of adventure, you know, travel and planes hopping and stuff like that. I could do that too, right? And it's, yeah, those are very different feeling campaigns, but it's all contained in the same place in the same. Uh, yeah, you setting. can you can scratch any any fantasy itch you might happen to have. Right, right, exactly. Um, probably Those are, that's an interesting choice. Yeah, I I love the world. You know, a quick shout out by the way as well for the art in Planescape. Um, obviously they had Dittier Lizzie or however you say his name doing the art. The guy who would eventually illustrate um like where the wild things are and all that. And the guy is a, is an artist. fantastic style. Yeah, yeah, he has just a singular, very unique vision. And to me, that world is uh is is inextricably linked to to his sort of art style and it was so not classic fantasy art because right. especially in the 80s there became this like this one style of fantasy art that sort of it, all fantasy art yes was. indeed and this just broke hard left right like it was a different direction and so it has all these different content and thematic and artistic elements that just speak right to my soul. So yeah. there, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of, lot of neat, neat artwork going on there and stuff that was straight, like some of it even like, like dipped into like stuff that's like, you know, HR Geiger or, Oh, absolutely. Um, 
uh, Cthulhu, Cthulhu-esque stuff. There's some weird stuff in there that was yep. uh, visually interesting. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, all right, so there you go. That That's our favorites, and I think and I think why that's pretty mapped out as far as for published. So now let's talk about talk about homebrew. And I think, I, do you want to go first here? Because I think you have an interesting answer to this. Yeah, my answer to this one was I, I, I don't, I can't think of any homebrew that I thought was, was a best campaign world. And, and you gave a good reason. Like none of them. I, I liked your reason. Do you, do you, what, what was your reason for that? Um, they all, they, like every, every homebrew campaign world that I played in had a flavor that was too similar to a published setting that I had already experienced. And so there was nothing wrong with it. It was fine, but it was just that again. It was published setting again. Yep. For I, as I think you you kind of stated it, or how I would maybe restate what you said, uh, would be the well. Uh, I, I looked. At you, I, I said. I you know you were you were like, oh, you probably picked my campaign world, right? And I was like, <laughs> well, I was like, well, yeah. I mean, your campaign world was fine, but it was just Forgotten Realms again. Yes. So, it was just Forgotten Realms, but right. That's all it is. I and I yeah. Here's the thing. And I can't say my own either. Like, I have my own homebrew settings and stuff like that, too. But it's it's just Forgotten Realms again. Like, if, if I was going to talk about that particular one, it would just... It's just Forgotten Realms again. Yep. Forgotten Realms, but... It's Forgotten Realms, but... Uh, orcs aren't enemies. They're friendly. It's Forgotten Realms, but... You know, or whatever. You just, you know, keep, keep going, right? Yeah. I mean, you could... I mean, one could nitpick about it and be like, No, no, it's not like Forgotten Realms because of... Whatever. It's... Yeah, it's still Forgotten Realms. Come on. Right. That you, like... Clearly, Dark Sun isn't Forgotten Realms. That's not right. Forgotten Realms, but, you know, or something or like that. But, no, I, I here's the thing. I don't actually, <laughs> I don't smart at all at that coloration of that world that I played in with you. So this is a campaign world I originally wrote back in the, the 90s, I think, right, was when it, it first, yeah, absolutely, it was the 90s, when I first sure. created it. Um, I didn't really, like, I ran a, a full campaign before you played in it although your your game that that you know was this long game that i was referencing when i asked the question was back in like 98 it was the first truly full campaign i'd ever written from end to end right like yeah. i had run long games but this i had three full notebooks where i had written the whole campaign out before we 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 rolled the first dice right i had all the npcs designed so so everything was there and I ended up using that campaign world for, in some version, and continuing to evolve it for about another ten years after that. Yeah, and and then I retired it basically because I I I gave the PCs who were in the campaign at the time a world altering choice where they could either save the world at great cost to themselves or damn the world to destruction, and uh, they chose to uh, do the latter. So the world blew up, and I was like, you know what? That's it. I used it as a, as a reason to say, sure, okay, let's yeah, it's time to away. try something different. Yeah. Yep. And I ended up writing a new campaign world, which I which I did like very much, which was based on Celtic folklore and stuff like that. I felt that world was very uh, was very distinct from Forgotten Realms or anything like that. I think I think it was its own unique thing. But you didn't ever get to play in that world, so right. there you go. Yes, um, we had we had divergent paths uh, after uh, directly after the campaign we were referencing. So yes, wherein you stole my campaign world and used it to write your own yes. knockoff, and then made it way better. 
way better. <laughs> it, it, it was huge. It was huge. Yes, I think we can. We might have different opinions on that, but that's okay. Um, no, I, I'm I'm sure your campaign was absolutely awesome. Uh, you know, so I, here's here's what I okay. Like if we're gonna look at homebrews, here's what's important. It, what's what's important is homebrew settings give give people a feeling of. Uh, you know, you know, like being a part of something, uh, as a, as opposed to just, you know, just running something out of a book that you bought, um, that thousands and thousands of other people are playing in, you know, they're, they're playing within, within a, a structure that was created for them by them, et cetera. Yep. Um, and when, when they, when they make changes in the world, when their characters do things in the world, they can change stuff in the world permanently, you know, they can make permanent changes that, you know, will will be have long lasting effects. It could last through several campaigns with lots of different characters and parties, and um, the interactions of different characters and parties that come from different you know game groups. Even if uh, if a, if a GM has multiple game groups that they GM for or whatever, um, and that 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 feeling of belonging and having a, a an actual an actual say in in the world itself and where your characters in the future will play, um, really can have an impact and can make something really great out of something that's just forgotten realms again. Sure. Well, so I think that's a good point all around. And I think it leads us to two, to, to, to me, what's two interesting concepts. Okay. Which is on one hand, I think it's better if your campaign world has a reason to exist. Right. What I mean by that is why is your, why did you write your own world? Okay. Because if you're going to write forgotten realms, but yeah then what's the butt what's what's so big about the butt is the butt necessary or can you just put that butt in forgotten realms and just have fun right exactly because it's not like you don't own the published world right like that what i mean by that right. is you still have the ability to change things as much as you like that's the point yeah right? yeah exactly your version of forgotten realms does not need to be anybody else's version of forgotten realms right because if it's just forgotten realms but now if you're going to change the whole thing if it's really literally totally different fine but if you're just changing a few things, if you have a different, you got it, your own new kingdom, you have orcs acting differently, whatever. Dragons act slightly differently. Okay. Just do Forgotten Realms and say those things. That way, just make your life easier, right? Because then perhaps, maybe. I, I don't I don't necessarily know if, if the easy way is always the right way, though. I mean, if you if you look at um at, at at master chefs you know who who spend their lives trying to create and perfect something that's uniquely their own they would probably rather put this together you know and 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 have it be their own as opposed to just taking someone else's recipe and making it taste a little different perhaps but i would argue that by the time the master chef reaches that they've created something truly unique in their own right right, right. Oh, and yeah, i agree I, I agree so but my point, so so let me say this: I'm not trying to establish a, a hard line. I'm just saying, I yeah, think there's you no wanna, hard lines here. I mean, right? I think you want to think seriously about it. That would be what I would say, right? Like, does this campaign world really, honestly, need to exist yeah. as its own thing, or can you just use Forgotten Realms? But, um, and then two, and the point I really, 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 I think I've said that enough. Agree with is that the value of having your homebrew world the pregame is you get to define everything all the expectations right and and make it have a unique voice that isn't just some other world but unless you're going to evolve it somewhere really interesting like you start out as forgotten realms but 
but then you have a plan over the campaign to go really weird and really alter the world in massive ways. Okay, fine. Maybe then you want to start with something unique. Um, but I think your other point is exactly that was very well stated and is critical is when you make that world, you can't be afraid to kill your darlings, right? Um, the players, once you give it over to the players and start running people in that world, it better start changing if what they do would demand change. Mm -hmm. Make it matter. Um, yeah. It gives you connection, a connection to that reality, you know, this, 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 uh, this imaginary reality that you've created, you know, get, give, give a real connection to it. You know, I, I think that's important. Um, I, I'm, I'm far more interested in, um, a changing picture than a static picture, you know, as, as far as campaign worlds go. Right. And it's not that every campaign needs to drastically alter the right. landscape of the world. Right. But imagine you, you, you had a character and, you know, he was a, he was an adventurer and, he got so rich that he decided to retire to a little town somewhere. Okay? Uh -huh. And he turned this little town into his own studio lot to make his own movies and to show them in his own theaters. You know what I mean? And then now that exists. That's a thing. That's a thing, a thing on a page somewhere that a party three campaigns from now could run into. Exactly. That is Travis, that is both a wonderful way to bring it full circle and putting the finest pin on that point. I, I completely agree. Yes. Um, you know, I, I feel like anything I would add with my own favorite homebrew world would only be duplicative of what we've already said, because mm -hmm. all my favorite, my, my own favorite homebrew worlds are stuff that have done this, where I've been able to affect the narrative, where the world has felt distinct and unique and had a reason to exist. And, and I felt like I was a vigorous part of it. It doesn't mean I was the singular defining point of the world. Other stuff happened. I want that too. That's for similitude. It made it feel real, right? Your players shouldn't be the only determinant of change, but they should be one of them. Yeah. So that's yeah. uh best campaign world undesigned. I agree. There you go. Best campaign world undesigned. Thank you very much, everybody. As always, we appreciate you listening. Email. There it is down in the description. Look at that. Shoot us a note. Tell us what you want to hear us talk about in the future. Always appreciate that. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.